This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, offering My Trustmark online and mobile banking services to help monitor spending, pay bills, deposit checks, transfer money, and more. Anytime, anywhere. More information at Trustmark.com. Member FDIC. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. I'm Kevin Farrell, along with Dr. Nancy Lodger-Janderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. We love to have guests and special topics on Money Talks, but sometimes we'd like to just see what you'd like to ask. We'll have some current events to discuss today, and you're welcome to call in with your opinions and questions about what's going on in the news. We also like to hear from you. Whatever questions you've been meaning to ask but haven't, today's the day to do it. Contact us by email. It's money at mpbonline.org. So good morning. Uh, We're going to chat today between listener emails and phone calls. Nancy, we always like to start out with you. What's uh, some news that you'd like to share? Last night, my husband dashed out and uh, filled up the tanks of both of our cars because we're all watching this shutdown of the Colonial Pipeline, and there's a little bit of a panic going on. Um, I don't think we have the the serious supply issue more than we just have just a panic right now, but certainly the hack of the pipeline is affecting the entire East Coast down into the Southeast, and uh, the concern is the longer it goes, then we're going to see some real effects. The company has said they hope they hope to be back online by the end of this week. Uh, but if it goes longer than that, then we're going to see some real pain. And we're also going to start seeing some increases in the pump. So uh, ransomware is usually when a cyber criminal does something and then says, I'm going to you have to pay me money to for me to undo what's been done. D- do we know what what exactly happened that, that shut down the pipeline? Do you know? Oh, I can't explain to you exactly, other than uh, they think it is a group operating out of Russia, maybe not necessarily connected to the Russian government. And um, apparently this group did a lot more damage than they expected to do. Um, They were trying to hold them for ransom, and uh, Colonial maybe did not have enough of the backups set up uh, to be prepared for something like this. And so it's a bit of a mess. Yeah, I heard this morning on uh, Morning Edition that uh, sometimes companies have started to back up their data, and so they say, well, you know, we're not going to pay. But then uh, the the second step is the cyber criminals will say, all right, well, we'll start releasing uh, this uh, sensitive or potentially embarrassing information uh, that would affect a company or maybe its stock price. So this is very, uh, you know, insidious. And, you know, I uh, was going through my spam mail, I think in Gmail, a couple of weeks ago, um, and I came across something that's, it was like, hey, I've gotten your password. I know that you've been going to that adult site, and I'm going Uh, to send, you know, the, where you've been going to and your webcam video to everyone in your contact list. And it was an odd amount, and the guy wanted to be paid in Bitcoin. So um, it was a scam, though, because I didn't do anything, and apparently no one got any embarrassing anythings from me in my contacts list. But uh, it's interesting, and again, it's like a lot of this cybercrime 
they hit the big boys and they they it's like scatter shooting and they just send out all this hoping that you know someone might panic and and see what they get i mean that's why they call it you know fishing p h i s h i n p h i s h i n g so well in the last week we've had two clients whose email has been hacked um, so I, I get an email saying, oh, I need help. And then when I call them, they say, no, that's not me. So there's some strange things going on right now. Yeah. Uh, so good morning, Ryder. What's uh, on your mind, financially speaking, this morning? Good morning, Kevin. Um, I'm pretty excited about the kind of list of very interesting stories. We have a lot of interesting economic stories uh, coming up to talk about, so I'm not going to ruin them all now. But uh, this past weekend, I drove up to Columbus, Mississippi for the 8th of May emancipation uh, program they do there. And, uh, you know, driving through Mississippi, you know, you see— uh, you see uh, small uh, small farmers, uh, small farms, small tree farms, uh, and then, of course, the, you know, cotton, corn, soybean farms. Uh, so lots of kind of commodity stories today. They're all connected. Uh, lots of small manufacturers and um, lots of, you know, kind of you're in rural areas. You got to have uh, trucking companies moving products all over the place. Uh, so lots of, uh, lots of things kind Kind of connected and tied in all of the stories we're going to be talking about today. So, so that's just kind of uh, what my mind is primed to right now. We do have a caller on the line, so why don't we say good morning to Madeline calling in from Tupelo this morning. You're on the air with us, so go ahead, please. Yes, I was just curious to see what type of periodicals, magazines, or blogs y'all might recommend for just good general uh, wealth knowledge when y'all aren't on the air. Nancy? And I'm going to hang up and listen. All right. Nancy, let's uh, start with you. Oh, there are all kinds. And, um, you know, of course, I, I read and follow on Twitter, uh, Wall Street Journal. I don't pay as much attention to the editorials as I do just the good content and focus on business. Um, I also look at Bloomberg, Forbes, uh, The Economist. Um, I uh, follow Seek, Seeking Alpha, and I follow Liz Ann Saunders, who's a wonderful economist um, with Schwab. I follow her on Twitter. She does great graphs that really give you a wonderful snapshot visual of what's happening in the world. Um, that's just a small collection. I look at Morningstar for mutual funds and exchange-traded funds. Uh, gosh, Ryder, what else do we read? Yeah, so I get uh, I, I follow a lot of folks on Twitter. As far as like the the big um, you know publications, I think you've covered it. Uh, one thing that I really like this is a, a lot of the sources I follow are a little more for the advisor and less for the retail, uh, the end user customer. Um, but there is a fellow in the industry named Michael Kitsis who is very good at one breaking down like fairly large complex new topics you know say there's a very you know, particularly in the past couple of years we've had a lot of tax law changes he's broken those down very well um, but he's also one thing he's very good at he's good at promoting other folks voices and he's good at promoting um, pretty you know good fee only fiduciary type advisors so it's not necessarily that I find you know great you know personal finance uh, topics from him, uh, but from those that he promotes.
notes from voices kind of in his ecosphere. Uh, and I would throw in a couple of podcasts, uh, one being Money Talks. Our producer, Liz Gill, does a good job of getting the show uh, uh, up on as a podcast and also uh, generally includes a lot of links uh, to uh, subjects that we talk about. Uh, so if you ever want to go back and listen to a podcast, Liz will post some links there to give you some more information. And also, I think that NPR's uh, podcast is called Your Money, uh, which uh, is a, a good one to follow as well. So some things to read and to listen to to help you uh, – improve your financial literacy. So, Nancy, there was a lot of talk about the most recent job report, I guess, for April. Uh, from what I hear in the news, it was underwhelming, to say the least. Yes. In fact, I think it was probably the week before we were just like, oh, my gosh, waiting for the jobs report. Um, and every month we get a number the first Friday of every new month that reflects what happened the month before. And in March, we had a really good number, nearly a million jobs. So we were expecting April to just add on to that million plus, my even go to a million and a half or two million, in, in which case we were worried about inflation. And lo and behold, it came in at only 266,000. And there was a lot of uh, just hand-wringing over this and asking the question, why this pullback? And one simple answer floated was, well, we have these enhanced unemployment benefits. And certainly that could be a factor. Those are going to run out in September. We already are seeing some of the governors who are pulling back. Our own uh, Governor Reeves has said they're going to end in June. So that should push some people back into the job market market, but that's not the whole story. We have all kinds of other things going on. Most of the hiring signs I've seen have been at restaurants or entertainment venues, bars, and um, understand that a lot of them were either closed or operating with a skeleton crew, and now they're ramping up to full capacity. It takes a while for that to happen. So this could be a lag, which is all to say one month does not make a trend. We're going to be watching uh, at following month to see what happens. In the leisure and hospitality industry, we added 331,000 jobs. So how did our number go backwards to 266,000? It's because we lost jobs in other areas. We lost 18,000 jobs in manufacturing. Um, we don't know what all that is, but we do know we are having a computer chip supply problem. There's a shortage in that area. We've had some automobile factories that have just shut down because they can't make more cars without these chips. And that's going to take a while for that to be corrected. We saw a decline in uh, other areas. Healthcare overall did well, but in nursing home facilities, we saw a big pullback in the number of employees. We think a lot of that is related to COVID. Sadly, we lost a lot of population of patients with in those facilities, but we also have people who are a little nervous about going back in and working in that environment. Um, we also saw a loss in the area that they track called couriers and messengers. Imagine that. So this last year, that was an area that just added a lot of jobs, and now we're not taking delivery so much. We're all going back out. So a 
lot of that is shifting. And we have just a general mismatch in the labor industry right now. And we're not sure exactly what this is all about. You know, if I go back to restaurants, um, will people still go back to those types of jobs? Or are they now floating off and I'm going to work in the Amazon warehouse? Um, in urban centers, a lot of those people who in the lower end maybe left those urban centers, went back home, moved in with family. And uh, will they go back? We don't know. So we're watching to see what happens in this whole area. We also have a problem with child care. So if you don't have good, stable child care, then it's hard for you to go out and work at that point. So a lot of things happening. Um, our workforce is being reordered in a way, and we're changing the way we're working. We did see a decline in the number of people who are working remotely from 21% to 18%. So people are filtering, filtering back to the office but maybe not totally. So this is going to be an interesting thing to watch. We're going to watch following months. We think it's going to pick back up, and uh, we will see this kind of uh, rearrangement. But this is going to be um, an education in how our work life is changed because of this. If you have a question for our experts, send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We're talking about current events between your personal finance questions today. Hey, do you still have a toilet paper stockpile? Still might come in handy, and we'll tell you why next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests in the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. Also, you can download the MPB Public Media app, and then you can listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. 
Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lottridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We're talking about current events today on our Open Topic Show. From a recent article in CNN, uh, you might want to hold on to that toilet paper stockpile because wood pulp, the primary raw material used to make it, is getting more expensive. Prices for market pulp have jumped from $606 per metric ton in September to more than $907 per metric ton in April, according to a pulp industry expert. We'll have more on shortages in just a minute, but we got a couple of phone calls to get to. Uh, the first one deals with unemployment, and here's a heads up. Uh, next Tuesday, uh, May 18th, we'll have uh, guests from the MDES, Mississippi Department of Employment Security. Having said that, let's talk to Mike in Tupelo. Good morning, Mike. You're on the air with us. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for all the great information. I, I think this is one of the best shows that MPP produces. Thank you. But my my question today is, how have unemployment, the extra unemployment benefits ended, or if not, when do they end? And do you think that that is keeping people away from jobs and returning to work? I hear a lot of chatter from some of the, the governors and other people that, that uh, these generous benefits are keeping people home. And I'll stand by and listen. Thanks for everything. Ryder, do you want to take a crack at that? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, and as we kind of uh, just alluded to, a lot of the governors uh, have, I believe it started with Montana or Wyoming. Uh, governors have said, you know, we're no longer going to take the uh, unemployment, uh, extra unemployment money so that people will kind of be further incentivized to work. Um, I believe how they structured it the first day that de uh, decided that was they were also offering folks a bonus to get back to work. So, you know, part of the idea with the extra unemployment was that, you know, <laughs> to stay safe and to protect other people, we needed fewer people going into work. So we need to incentivize staying home. Um, of course, the, that payment is down to an extra $300 a, a week. So that is a lot less than, you know, the $600 a week uh, previously. And of course, you know, Mississippi on top of that is off the top of my head, can't remember, but around $100. Um, also, the uh, work search requirements have been coming back, and I believe in Mississippi it is June 12th is the day we are going to stop the uh, additional unemployment uh, payments. Um, there has been a lot of talk about, oh, is this incentivizing people to stay home? If you can stay home for $300, why would you go to work, even if you're going to make, say, $500 going to work? Um, there are a lot of issues with that, as we noted with the jobs report. It's not, you know, a lot of times we say, okay, well, just, you know, pay people more. And that is one great way to get folks back to work, um, but also, you know, providing good working conditions. Some people just still are not either comfortable, just not ready, um, you know, maybe they haven't had a chance to get get vaccinated. Um, maybe they are still caring for folks who are vulnerable and just don't want to be out there while there is still some lingering risk. Um, that That's also part of it. It's not just the kind of dollars to dollars figure. Nancy, what are your thoughts? Well, um, officially, those enhanced benefits end in September. And as Ryder mentioned, we've had some governors who've announced they're going to um, decline those earlier. One, the first one, Montana. And guess what? Montana's unemployment rate is 3.5%. 
So at that low of an unemployment rate, I'm not sure that's really having a big impact in Montana. But we will see. Um, what we do know is last year those, un those unemployment benefits that had those extra payments really held us up. We can go back and look at that and see that people who were unemployed, who were sent home, spent that money, and that held the economy up. The one-time stimulus payments that went out to families, much of that was saved. In fact, the last one that went out, 40% of it was saved. Now, we think there's going to be a lag. Once people get out and get comfortable and start moving, they'll reach back in their bank accounts and start spending that. So those enhanced unemployment benefits did what they were supposed to do. But yes, we do need to start winding them down. That is happening. And uh, we're just going to see as we look at the months. And we're going to track also the states like Montana, South Carolina, and Mississippi that are starting to decline them earlier. Does that have a real impact? We're going to follow the data. All right, uh, Mike, thanks for your call. Good question to lead us off. Let's uh, stay on the phone lines here for just a moment. And next, we're going to go and invite John from Mobile on the air. Go ahead, John. You're on the air with us. Thank you, Kevin. Good morning to you all. Um, let's see. We just have days now uh, before the tax deadline, and I, I need to find out quickly uh, what to do about an inherited disbursement from an IRA. Um, I heard from a bank by letter uh, telling me that I was a beneficiary of a relative's IRA. And uh, in short order, since I wanted to take care of it, I filled out their form, which uh, included um, a minimum uh, tax withholding of 10%. And I sent it back in, and I got a check from them. And uh, this uh, it's a bigger check than I'll ever see again, I'll tell you. But um, I need to know what to do about um, the disbursement, the taxes on it, uh, federal and state. I'm currently on Social Security, and I haven't had to pay taxes for six years or more. So uh, I wondered if uh, you could tell me um, what to do about this, how to, how to take care of the tax aspect. Oh, that's a great question, John. So they they sent you the money from the IRA. They sent that to you in the year 2020? Yes. Okay, and did they send you a tax form? Did they send you a 1099 at any point? They should have sent one, I believe, mid-February. I... I'm not the most organized person, so I'll have to say <laughs> yes, and it's a, I do have a um, file folder for taxes, so it may be in there. Yeah, so typically any any place sending you a disbursement from an IRA is going to send you a 1099-R, um, which just shows, you know, you made, you know, X dollar withdrawal, we withheld X percent, or we held X dollars in tax, and yes, you will need to file uh, taxes for that. If you don't have that, you can probably call the bank, get that information, visit the bank, get that information, obviously time is of the essence here. Um, if it came from an IRA, which they withheld taxes, then yes, that is probably all taxable income. Of course, the amount of tax you owe is just going to depend on you know the total amount that is. It doesn't sound like you have a whole lot else going on. You know, the Social Security is going to be you know taxable to some extent, but. 
that's going to be your main taxable income. Your ta I will say your tax filing situation will be fairly simple and straightforward. Uh, you know, even if you have not been doing that in years past, but you'll you will need to report that amount, that to that gross amount, as a taxable distribution. And of course, you can also report that that 10% that they withheld. You can report that as taxes already paid, and that helps offset anything you might be owed. Um, as far as what that dollar amount you owe is going to be, it's it's, it's just going to depend on what that uh, that dollar amount of that John, check. My concern would be if you haven't paid taxes in six years and you're collecting Social Security, that this distribution could affect how much of your Social Security is taxed because there's a calculation based on all of your other income. So you could end up owing some Social Security on your – owing some taxes on your Social Security just because of this distribution. Oh. Well, it's been very simple for years now. Haven't had to do anything. And, uh, you know, I live within my means because I had to. And then this thing arrives. Um, so, um, yeah, I guess I'm going to have to uh, say goodbye to some of that money again. Um, I and think they did so. take out 10%. That will help. Okay. All right, John, thanks for your call. We love our Mobile listeners, and so let's get another one on the air. This time, uh, Angie's called in from Mobile. Go ahead, Angie. Good day. Yeah, go ahead. Hi, you're on the Hello? air with us. Go ahead. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Hello? Let's uh, see if we can't fix that. We're going to go ahead and uh, take another break. We are taking your calls today. The number is one mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Or send an email to money at we're discussing today's financial headlines between your personal finance questions. Do you have access to broadband where you live? We've got a Mississippi statistic coming up for you next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. Monday Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lottridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Tapp, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. They are both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. 
A 2017 report by the Census Bureau showed that 61% of Mississippians had access to broadband in 2015. We hope to touch on that story later in the hour. Uh, but we've got Angie from Mobile back on the line. Angie, sorry for the phone problems, you're, but you're on the air with us, so go ahead. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to make a comment about the jobs report. And I just wanted to say that um, I think that a lot of Americans do want to go back to work. But due to the fact that a lot of the jobs we were banking on were kind of low-wage jobs, a lot of these workers do not have child care. They do not have adequate health care. They do not have any medical sick leave. So I think that a lot of people are hesitant to go back to work for those reasons. And then I've personally noticed a lot more automation since the epidemic uh, began. A lot more companies are automating, so that's leaving jobs behind as well. So people need to be, you know, retrained and have health care, and then I think that people will feel confident about going to work. But if you're working a low-wage job that's high risk, you're constantly exposed to a lot of people, you're not, you know, and you don't have health insurance or sick time, you're going to be pretty hesitant to go back to work. So I just wanted to bring up those issues. Uh, good comments, Angie. And, you know, Nancy, we've touched on this a couple times, and I think it is interesting, the, the child care issue, because it's not only just, say, like daycares or nurseries, but the fact that our schools are still in flux between virtual and, and letting the kids go back to school, that's another issue. But uh, child care, I think, is, is a, a major concern for folks uh, returning to the workforce. Absolutely. And Angie had some excellent points there. Um, you know, if you have a job that does not have benefits, that it's just if you work, you get paid by the hour, um, then it's a lot harder to stay in that job. And it's a lot harder for employers to hold on to those employees. Um, but we have two big issues in this country and this pandemic really pointed those out. Um, one is a health care issue and the second is a child care issue. And we found that they were connected this past year. Um, if we could solve those, I think we could really unleash the economy. So, Ryder, we've talked a bit about some of the shortages of many of the items uh, that uh, maybe in the next few months and over the summer. Uh, what are some of the things that you're hearing are in short supply? Just about everything, Kevin. Um, and part of that, you know, kind of the everything goes to, you know, there's shortages of truck drivers. Um, and that's something that's been going on for a long time. I mean, a couple of years ago, they uh, worked on trying to lower the minimum age to be a truck driver simply because there weren't enough people who wanted to drive trucks to get all the stuff where it needs to go. Um, and of course, with, you know, uh, as Nancy mentioned, uh, fo folks shopping from home, you know, that took away, you know, folks becoming delivery drivers, maybe competed some with that. Um, of course, there was, you know, mentioned at the top of the show, the hack on the gas pipeline. So gas is going to be in short supply in a couple of places. Uh, it might be up to a week before uh, gas starts flowing again. Um, and, and, and another thing with kind of the, again, the everything being in short supply supply, you know, it's not just an issue of not enough workers. There's also just supply chain issues. Uh, for years and years and years, businesses have been, you know, driving for efficiency, and you've heard of things like just-in-time inventory, just-in-time delivery, uh, just-in-time supply chain management. 
where basically they tried to run everything at 100% capacity all the time. Well, if you are run, running at 100% capacity and one person is out sick or one delivery comes in late, that just cascades through the system. So that's what we're seeing. Some of that is, you know, if a if a car manufacturing plant has enough inventory on hand to make three months worth of cars, then they can stop taking deliveries and still make cars for three months. If they only have a week's worth of inventory, then they're going to have to shut down pretty quickly. Um, we have heard from uh, kind of consumer products folks, uh, Procter & Gamble, they make a lot of consumer products, cleaning, health hygiene products, uh, raising prices on those, partly shortages, partly just um, inflation. And then the kind of two other big things we have on, I know, uh, semiconductors, uh, again, they just go in everything. So computer chips, uh, of course, you know, we are using more and more technology and needing higher powered uh, chips. And so sometimes that means the older chips that a lot of our kind of more mundane devices rely on are, are kind of out of stock in a lot of places. And, uh, and, and, and lumber, uh, wood, you know, processed wood products. Uh, lumber has gone through the roof, which has, of course, made it uh, difficult to build houses, uh, which is just cascades into other issues. You know, I think uh, the interconnectedness of things and, and, you know, events that happen, you know, year, might have effects years down the road. And I think of the, the chlorine shortage uh, for swimming pools. And I heard that part of the reason was one of the biggest manufacturers of the little tablets that go in your swimming pool uh, was affected by one of the hurricanes last year that hit uh, on Texas. So I thought that was interesting and a little bit concerning to me. I think I mentioned yes. a couple of times my brother has a place down in Pensacola, two swimming pools there. I like to go visit him in the summertime so i'm certainly hoping i'll be able to go swimming but that's interesting how you know something might have effects years down the road and it, it goes back i guess to that idea of the supply chain that you were talking about exactly exactly if you know if everybody who has a pool is dependent on one plant which happens to be in the line of a hurricane then everyone's pool is going to be affected by by a horrific weather event um, and, and weather is something that affects, you know, that reminds me, um, crop prices. So uh, a lot of farmers who have been able to plant have been done doing very well because a uh, combination of, of, of weather, kind of decreasing yields in, in kind of the, the, the Midwest where we have a lot of production there, um, China buying a lot more grain as they gear back up, and then, of course, um, uh, meat uh, hog and cow farms um, kind of uh, kind of ramping up as well from kind of a slow last year means that there's a lot more demand and a limited supply of farm products. And then an odd one, uh, but something that I think would affect a lot of people based on what I've seen on uh, social media, and it's the shortage of baba, those dark, chewy pearls made from tapioca that are popular in a lot of tea-based beverages. So um, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. But again, that seems to be a supply chain uh, problem. 
Yes, yes. And that uh, goes back to, you know, something that's kind of happened throughout 2020 and, and, and trickling into this year is, you know, we get so many products from, uh, from being shipped from overseas. And so large, you know, we are dependent on a few large ports in this country on the East Coast, uh, sorry, on the West Coast, um, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Seattle, very large ports. Uh, there were um, huge uh, backups on um, LA ports uh, last year, and um, and some of those still continuing. Where you know, you, if you don't have enough folks unloading, uh, you don't have enough equipment to unload ships, then there's going to be ships just sitting there waiting. Uh, and if you're waiting for your sure your for your boba tea to be unloaded from the container or what have you, um, then that's going to be an issue. One way that played out as we heard with new um, with a new computer launch uh, last year in the beginning of this year um, Apple actually you know switched to uh, shipping more computers via plane um, which is like well of course they would ship it by plane but it's it's much more expensive to to put you know heavy heavy computers on a plane and ship them I mean they get there a lot faster but just because of the delays that was a decision they made um, which of course you know that that that's a price thing that it's expensive to do that this is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We've got some open phone lines on this open topic day, and we're looking for your questions and comments. Uh, to give us a call, it's one eight seven seven mpb ring That phone number is one 672 7464 Or email money at mpbonline.org. We're talking about money news between your financial questions. The Spanish serial artist Salvador Dali was born on this date in 1904, so what does he have to do with money news? Well, we'll have that for you next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. We're glad you found our show Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. 
Here's a reminder that every Tuesday at 10, immediately following Money Talks, you can listen live to In Legal Terms right here on MPB Think Radio. So keep your uh, radio tuned in. We're talking about current events on our open topic show today. And on a recent episode of the History Channel's Pawn Stars, a new homeowner brought in a signed copy of, and excuse my, what I think is Spanish, Les Diners de Gala, uh, contained opulent recipes accompanied by Salvador Dali's fantastical, somewhat disturbing illustrations. Only a few hundred copies of the original print survive, so it's probably worth some money. And I would imagine if they take a digital copy of it, they could sell it as a non-fungible token as well. Uh, so, Nancy, we mentioned broadband, and that of as, as of 2015, about 61 percent of Mississippians had access to broadband. Uh, there's a new federal program beginning tomorrow to help households pay for broad, uh, broadband service. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Um, oh, my goodness. You caught me flat-footed. Um, I don't have that in front of me. I'm sorry, Kevin. Ryder, do you know anything about the emergency <laughs> broadband benefit? Yeah, so I think this is a great program, if maybe a little bit late. Of course, we found out over the past year that broadband truly is, as some people have been saying for a long time, a vital uh, utility, just as important as kind of rural electrification was 100 years ago. Um, folks need broadband to connect to the world. They are using broadband to connect to jobs all over the world from anywhere in the world. And, uh, you know, there's some really fantastic stories out there of of companies that are really making it work with remote employees, uh, get, you know, give, kind of breathing new life into rural areas, giving new opportunity to folks in rural areas, uh, and of course, rural areas who have done very well um, connecting their communities and, and, and giving that same opportunity to others. I, you know, some stuff as simple as getting better access to Amazon, you know, or, or online shopping, period, where, you know, you may not have access to a very wide range of goods in, in, in your community, you know, some rural community. But uh, but you can find these things on the Internet, and if you have a reliable connection, you can get on and you can do your shopping and you can do whatever you need uh, without, you know, without a store having to struggle, you know, in, 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 your, in your community. So the emergency broadband benefit um, provides, I'm not exactly sure how it works, if it's a subsidy, if it's a check or whatever, um, but it provides $50 a month uh, towards households. I believe there's an income threshold, um, $75 a month uh, for folks on tribal lands. Um, also, um, I, I believe $100 or so towards the purchase of new computer, new computer equipment, et cetera. So again, just giving folks money to help them get connected to the rest of the world. I, this is, I mean, it's, it's tremendous. I wish it had happened 10 years ago. I wish it had happened a year ago, but this is really a, a huge thing. Um, I'm not quite sure all of the requirements. I did hear uh, a report on the radio just earlier uh, saying that essentially if you if you have any kind of uh, government assistance programs like uh, SNAP, which used to be called food stamps, um, Medicaid, uh, then you would automatically be eligible. Um, there's some income limits, the kind of 135 percent of the federal poverty guidelines. Uh, so there, there's there's a lot of kind of stipulations like that. But it, it should, I, th I think the way they've done it should be a fairly simple to qualify. 
guy, and um, and it's. I want to say it was a $3 billion pot of money, and it's just kind of there until it runs out. Um, but this is a fantastic program. It, combine it with uh, things that we had started working on at the beginning of last year, allowing rural electric cooperatives to run broadband to their customers. Uh, we have had some rural electric cooperatives here in Mississippi who serve a lot of customers, uh, have begun rolling that out to their customers. Customers. Um, and part of that is just giving folks another choice uh, for their broadband, giving folks a better choice, um, which hopefully will make things a little more affordable. Um, and these communities that have, you know, kind of always kind of get forgotten about in a lot of policies, allowing them to get plugged back in and connect to the broader economy. And our producer, Liz Gill, will post a link that has uh, full details on this emergency broadband benefit. Uh, there's also a list of providers in Mississippi. Uh, eligible households can enroll through an approved provider by visiting getemergencybroadband.org. But again, our producer, Liz Gill, will post the details on that on our website if you need more information. We've got another caller on the line. This time we're going to say good morning to Andrea calling from Vidalia, Louisiana. You're on the air. It's your turn. Go ahead. Yes, sir. I was just wondering uh, why I have not received a stimulus check, a stimulus payment. Um, Andrea, did you get one last year? Uh, no, I didn't get one last year. Only I got what I got last year was $600. Um, okay. Do you file taxes? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I, I think you're going to have to go through the IRS. I did. And I mean, not I didn't go to them, I called them. But what's uh, uh, funny is uh, that they don't know my name. They don't know my birth, uh, my birthday or uh, my address nor uh, anything connected to me. So they cannot even take my social security number. That's what they're not allowed uh, to. So how can they find out? Your social security number should be able to then trace you to your tax filings, and the tax filings determine whether you qualify for one of those stimulus payments. And again, we had three different payments that went out, and if you got one, I would expect you to get the other. Have you looked in your bank accounts? When you got the payment before, did it just deposit into your bank account? No, uh, I had it by paper check, and I have problems with the local post office. Okay. I, I wasn't sure if they hold it and, and lost it like so many times near before. Now, if your check was lost, then it should be able to be traced. You can go back and say, I don't have not received my check. Here's my Social Security number. And um, this is... Again, they use your tax filing, so I would check with the IRS. Um, these are dispensed by the Treasury Department. But if that check has not been cashed, then that is verification it was lost and they should reissue. Okay, that's what I thought. But, you know, if uh, the IRS conflicted, uh, people do not take my Social Security number. When you give your Social Security number, what do they say? Do they say, we don't have a record of this? Is it a different name? They said, we cannot take your Social Security number. Have you ever tried to call the IRS? It's difficult. <laughs> yes. 
Um, where do you live? In Vidalia, Louisiana, 71373. Okay. Um, you really need to get to an IRS office. And I know that's a little harder right now. They should be starting to open up those offices or maybe make an appointment so you can go in and talk to somebody face-to-face. That would be maybe helpful, but do you know where they are going to be opening? Where they're located? That's a tough one. You're definitely going to find one in Baton Rouge. How close are you to Baton Rouge? Oh, it's about two and a half hours. Oh, wow. But I'm close to uh, Mississippi. Um, How close are you to Jackson? Uh, That's a two-hour drive, too. Um, I'm wondering if we've got one in Natchez. Oh, that would be nice. Yes, that would be closer to you, but I'm not sure if there's one there. I know we do have some other IRS offices around, but you're going to have to find one first. Because if they will not take my Social Security number, I mean, this is just ridiculous. I told them I'll give it to to you. I said, I don't mind. I said, I mean, why would the IRS steal the Social Security number? <laughs> the school's got it, the bank had it, everybody else got it. I wouldn't give it to the phone company, but in that matter, I was going to give him. But they blocked me off, they hang up, they disappear. They do not want my Social Security number. The other thing I would suggest, uh, possibly our local libraries are starting to open up. And if you can get to a local library and the librarian can at least assist you with tracking down local IRS offices, where you would have to go, even how to then apply online for your benefits. All right, Andrea, uh, thanks for the call. Sorry that that's uh, a problem there. Hopefully, uh, as, as uh, Nancy suggested, maybe trying to get uh, to your local library to help you find an office and in, in visiting the IRS in person, uh, maybe that'll help you out of that unusually difficult situation. That's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by the generous financial support from listeners like you. To hear today's show or previous show, you can find it at moneytalks.mpbonline.org. Or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks on your preferred podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill, and our call screener is Java Chapman. For Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio. for MPB comes from Trustmark, offering My Trustmark online and mobile banking services to help monitor spending, pay bills, deposit checks, transfer money, and more. Anytime, anywhere. More information at Trustmark.com. Member FDIC. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.